How many times have you felt disappointed or surprised that something hasn't gone quite as you expected? Or found yourself feeling faintly uncomfortable at how something was unfolding, perhaps not quite knowing what you're feeling or why you're feeling it? As humans, we make assumptions all the time. They're useful things designed to keep us safe. But the challenge is that our assumptions can be misguided at times. We can find ourselves assuming something is going to go really well and end up downhearted, or we assume it will go really badly and tie ourselves up in knots before the thing actually happens. Finding the balance between positive anticipation and unhelpful assumptions can be tricky, especially as we're not always aware of the assumptions we're creating. Welcome to the Henny Flynn podcast, the space for deepening self-awareness with profound self-compassion. I'm Henny. I write, coach, and speak about how exploring our inner world can transform how we experience our outer world, all founded on a bedrock of self-love. Settle in and listen and see where the episode takes you. Welcome back to season 12 of the podcast and it's lovely to be back here and I'm just reflecting actually before I launch into what I wanted to talk about today that even in um, setting up this episode of the podcast I'm creating a set of assumptions um, both within myself about how it's going to go and also maybe casting uh, an energy out that uh, ties in with your own energy and builds your uh, shared set of assumptions, who knows. Um, But if you're anything like me, then you might have noticed a tendency to approach things with faintly or vastly unrealistic assumptions of what an experience will hold. Whether it's something like this, like listening to a podcast, or something much more significant in your life. We can find ourselves approaching things either with dread based on factual evidence maybe, or perhaps based on outdated stories. Or we might approach it with overly optimistic expectations based on wanting things to be the way you want them to be and not willing to look at what some of the other evidence might be showing us. And of course, with assumptions, reality can turn out to be very different. Even if it's better than expected, it can leave us feeling disappointed that we weren't right. And if it's worse, it can leave us unhappy, disgruntled or disappointed. So today I wanted to look at how we find this balance and and share a couple of personal reflections as ever. Um, But again, one of the thoughts that just comes to me is a, a memory of when I was working in an office um, probably sort of 15 years ago now. Um, And one of my team 
introduced me to the phrase that to assume makes an ass out of you and me. And I absolutely loved this. I think to the extent that we ended up writing it um, very large across a huge whiteboard that we had in our um, office. And it's such a useful uh, thing to remember, actually, that um, while assumptions can be useful um, because they, like I said before in the introduction, they help to keep us safe. They draw on our past experience, on data that we've been gathering, and they give us a bit of insight into what might unfold. The challenge is, of course, that if we always operate from that place of automatic assumption, then it can leave us um, with an unrealistic view of what's going to happen. So how do we find the balance? How do we approach the experience of life, whether that's something we consider is likely to be positive or negative, without making assumptions. So our brain is designed to help us create patterns. We pick up billions of bits of data throughout our life, unconsciously, constantly mining our environment for things that may prove useful now or at a later date. And our brilliant brain uses this data to help us make decisions and create connections, create patterns that it believes will most serve us. It's always trying to operate in our own best interest. But this is unconscious, of course. If we were consciously processing everything our brain is picking up, we'd simply not be able to cope at all. Just think of a time when you felt overloaded with stimulus uh, in a big shopping centre, which is one of my own favourite things to avoid, uh, or at a party or a festival, or maybe when studying from multiple varied sources. Our conscious brain simply can't cope and can begin to, to either shut down and just go, oh, I can't do this. To distract itself, we pick up our phone, we stare out of the window, whatever it might be, um, or avoid what's happening around us, turning our back on, on the situation. So our job, therefore, is to become more aware of these unconscious connections and patterns and stories we're making and reinforcing in order to help us approach life in a more open and mindful way. So there's a a study that I uh, felt might be useful to share here of um, people who've practiced mindfulness for many, many years. And it's one of many uh, mindfulness experiments that have been happening over the last kind of 10, 20 years to prove what uh, ancient wisdom has known Um, for a very long time, Um, but applying some of the rigor of modern science and neuroscience to the practice of mindfulness. And in the experiment, I mean, it sounds pretty grim, to be honest, but using heat applied to the skin, enough to hurt, but not enough to wound, 
And then putting the participant of the experiment into an MRI scanner, they told the participant they would experience the same pain 10 seconds after hearing an alarm sound. The participants who had been practicing mindfulness for many years felt the pain far more acutely when they observed it in the MRI scanner, but without the fear of anticipation that showed up in the other participants who didn't have a mindfulness practice. And the mindfulness practitioners were able to let go of the pain far more quickly. In short, they were present to the pain, but without expectation and without clinging to the experience afterwards. Um, so, and, and in that, actually, they weren't clinging to what they wanted, which was no pain, and therefore feeling fear at the idea of the pain that they knew was going to come. And equally, they didn't, exper- they didn't cling to the experience of the pain. So this practice of mindful non-expectation, which is what I've come to call it, is something that I've become much more alert to recently. And an example is I went on a weekend with some friends. I had a whole series of expectations that turned out to be not wildly off the mark but enough for me to notice a sense of misalignment within me. I felt a sense where I became aware of that I was carrying a sense of disconnection and and distraction within me equally knowing that it was a weekend that I'd been really looking forward to and spending time with people who I really, really enjoy spending time with. So not only was I noticing that feeling of disconnection and distraction, but I was also noticing a feeling of being really unhappy with myself at feeling distracted and disconnected, feeling that in some way I was failing. So if you're familiar with the Buddhist parable of the second arrow, that unhappiness I felt at noticing I was feeling disconnected and distracted was the second arrow. And the Buddha says, in life, we can't always control the first arrow. However, the second arrow is our reaction to the first. The second arrow is optional. And this is such a beautiful parable. If you're not familiar with it, then I highly recommend um, doing a bit of reading around that. Um... And that reminds me of uh, being on a yoga retreat a few years ago. And um, one of the guests at the retreat was so um, taken by this parable that she ended up getting a tattoo of two arrows and um, trusted me enough to draw and design that tattoo for her, which is now um, in perpetuity on her very beautiful arm. (laughs) Now, in the weekend that I was just talking about, fortunately, before things really set in, before those waves of emotion, those arrows really set in, I was able to notice 
what I had created within myself, the, the emotional disruption I'd created within myself. And this, I think, is the most important part of, of this work. You know, once we are aware, then we can create change. We can turn toward what we're aware of. And so I took myself away. I went out into the garden. I said I needed some silence and everyone respected that because they're beautiful people. And I did some inner exploration without judgment of what I was noticing. And my realisation was that I'd subconsciously crafted a whole litany of expectations. Imagining what things were going to be like. Expectations largely based on nothing in particular. Though, of course, my brilliant brain didn't really want to believe that initially. She wanted to think I was perfectly justified in feeling a bit put out. But we had a chat and she soon understood that the data I'd gathered and the connections I'd made in order to create the assumptions that I had or the expectations that I had were all a little askew. In this instance, what I actually needed to do was craft my boundaries, be with what was unfolding, notice what I was feeling, not judge what I was noticing and where useful share what it was useful to share which I did because I was with a group of people who I deeply trusted and I was able to express what was going on for me with them and that was a useful part of the process for me too. It's also an indicator of how much trust I had in them and that was the way that they received it. Of course, <clears throat> this reflection on the challenges around making assumptions or having expectations about things doesn't mean it's not helpful to look forward. You know, so much of my work that I do with people, while we do explore things that have happened in the past, the core energy that we carry is this forward-facing energy, um, being present with what is happening now and looking forward into how we are going to use this awareness to support ourselves as we step out of the present and into the future, which is a constant process, of course. And on this sort of theme of looking forward, one of my favourite image work practices is to vision the day. And it's where we take ourselves through imagining it's the end of the day or the end of an event or the end of a meeting. So in the context of this weekend, I could have, I could, I didn't, I could (laughs) have imagined it was the end of the event and taken myself through uh, this process to better support myself. You can use this practice really for whatever it is you have coming up that you want to be really mindfully prepared for and not just barreling in with a whole load of automatic knee-jerk assumptions. Because these assumptions may be things that have been amalgamated out of what may well be out-of-date beliefs and scraps of experiences from the past, you know, scraps of memories, 
combined with half understood inputs from the outside world. You know, we often skirt over information that we receive, only picking out the the tidbits, the stuff that um, we think in that moment is relevant to us. And it means that we can miss a lot of stuff. So that could be misinterpreted words from others or or maybe worries about external factors picking up on on a mood, you know, maybe something that, you know, you've been watching a lot of news and so you're picking up on the mood of the of that sort of worry or fear and we bring that into our assumptions too. You know, we gather our data that forms our expectations from so many sources that it's no wonder we can get carried away at times with the stories and assumptions that we weave from what we gather. So in this practice of visioning the day, we consciously look at the bad and the good endings. We take the time to really see what our imagination is conjuring up for us without judgment or self-criticism, simply noticing what we feel would be a bad outcome and what would be a good outcome. And we use this language of bad and good to keep things really, really simple because actually our brain likes simplicity. Um, And in the language of image work, it becomes very important because we're operating on a subconscious level and it becomes very important that the language we use is very, very clean, very clear. Um, The key to all this is, you know, looking at this, you know, what's the potential bad outcome to this day or this event or this weekend and what's the potential good outcome is that we also through this practice we have this very clear guidance that you've seen it you don't have to have it and this reminds us of our agency in how we choose to move forward into our day or into our event And we also hear the guidance to remember that you'll be okay even if things don't turn out as you imagine. This is a a way of exploring the realm of potential. And the difference with this approach is that we are consciously imagining the future rather than unconsciously barreling into a situation with a set of expectations we don't actually know we have. And often that's the case, of course. Often, just as in my example of that weekend, we're not even aware that we have a set of assumptions or a set of expectations about the experience we're about to have. And so this practice of being really, really mindful, consciously aware actively exploring what is the outcome that we desire and what is the outcome that we might be unconsciously creating for ourselves. So if you'd like to know more about this approach, I am running uh, an event at 7pm British Standard Time on Thursday the 7th of December as a free online evening event it will last for a couple of hours and I'm putting a link in the show notes but you can also go onto my website to pick your place or if you are signed up to follow me on 
um, Eventbrite, then you should have had an automatic reminder that the event is coming up. And if you're not yet, uh, if you don't yet follow me on uh, Eventbrite, then do. It's a really brilliant functionality that they have um, that you get notified of all future events as soon as they go live. So you're the first to hear, which is brilliant. Um, And I'll also be sharing an option to buy the recording after the event. So it's something you always have to hand. Um, So if you want to sign up, but you're not sure you'll um, be able to make it on the day, but you'd like to have an opportunity to buy the recording, then sign up to the event and I'll make sure that you're notified when that is available too. Um, How the event works is we'll begin with a relaxation practice and I'll then share how the practice works. I'll give you a bit more detail than I've given you here and I'll lead you through how to use it. And of course, I'll guide every step with really clear instructions and time for questions and discussion because that's always useful too. Um, And if there's a particular event, as in a weekend or, um, or a meeting or... Something that you're, you know, just mindful could be a little difficult for you or something that you want to make sure you're really grounded in the way that you prepare for it, then, you know, bring that with you and you can focus on that when we do the practice session. Or if there's nothing in particular coming up for you, then you can simply imagine it's the end of the following day. It's entirely up to you. I think one of the things here is as we edge our way toward Christmas, which um, uh, somebody mentioned yesterday to me really isn't that far away. I don't know why this happens every year. It always takes us by surprise, doesn't it? Um, But obviously around that festive season, there can be a whole load of uh, expectations, um, great and challenging expectations, um, really depending on the way that um, the whole festive season unfolds for you. Um, And it could be interesting to to bring that. If that sort of sparks any thoughts for you, then maybe that would be an event um, or a a sort of a period of time that you'd like to... uh, try this practice out on to see well what's the what's the bad outcome and what's the good outcome um as ever there is absolutely no need to share anything with others in the group on the evening and it's one of the reasons why I love doing this work online actually because it means that people can really experience it in the best way for them however it is also utterly wonderful and I really enjoy it personally and I know that other people in the group really appreciate it if you do feel drawn to share as it can help enrich the experience so both are equally valuable and valid Um, and then I'll probably share a journaling prompt at the end actually I normally do that to capture whatever has come up for you in the session and you know, this this kind of work to really explore what are the expectations, the assumptions that we're creating for ourselves around these sort of short-term events in the future um, is really, really beautiful. And it's a wonderful gift to give to yourself. And it's also something that once you've learned the practice, and it's the reason why I'm going to make the 
um, the recording available to buy afterwards. Once you've become familiar with the practice, you can then use it any time. Um, it's such a great thing to have in your toolkit or in your your quiver, seeing as we were talking about arrows earlier. Um, and this event is open to everyone, from people who've never explored a practice like this before, through to well-being practitioners who who might support others in in you know exploring things like this. So, um, and. It's really important to note that there's no right or wrong way in how we experience image work. It's simply a wonderful way to harness the power of our own imagination. And for me, I think it helps enable what I was talking about earlier, which is that deepening of the awareness of what we're experiencing, deepening the ways in which we notice what we're experiencing. And for me, I think when we, you know, serve this practice up with a very, very generous helping of compassion, it makes it really powerful. So if all of this makes you curious, and I'd really love to see you at the event, please come along and join and, and see what uh, what the future holds for you. Um, and more generally, you know, if this idea of how to manage having um, challenging, unrealistic, overly optimistic, whatever they might be for you, expectations and assumptions, if that's something that you'd like to explore more um, in a one-to-one setting, if you're noticing that it's something that might be impacting the way that you're experiencing the world and, and your inner life, then do connect with me. Um, it can be a really wonderful thing to explore and, um, and I'd love to help you with that. So let me know your thoughts. I'd love to hear what this has sparked for you. As always, I love to hear from everybody. And and lastly, if you're enjoying the podcast and you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. Um, these are so useful in helping to share this work with others. And, and you know, I admit, it's also very nice for me to know (laughs) if it's something that you're enjoying too, Um, rather than just sort of speaking as a lone voice out into the void. (laughs) Although I know you're there, so it's not really a void. Anyway, um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. And I send you a hug and a wave.